I'm going to have Bethany come up. Here she comes, and we'll have some questions for her. And hopefully there'll be time at the end. If you want to ask Bethany some questions too, we'll be able to do that. You might just have to yell them out, and then I'll probably repeat them so that people who are on the live stream can hear what, uh, what your question is. All right, so Bethany, let's just start with the easiest question. I didn't even put it on the page. When did you graduate from UW-Madison? Graduated in 03. How many of you were born after, actually after 03? Okay. Nice. But see, I'm not even going to tell them when I graduated from college. <laughs> That's good. All right, so sh share some of your favorite memories of your college years here at UW. It can be about... Uh, school, it could be about friends, it can be about chapel, it can be about anything you want to share. Yeah, most of my most exciting experiences were being a student athlete, um, to be honest. I just had a really great experience at Wisconsin. Um, I grew up going to a small um, school in Michigan and ended up at Wisconsin very, very, not randomly, but randomly. Um, my plan was to go to Villanova. And um, I visited there my junior year of high school on my own and then went out for a visit fall of my senior year. <laughs> and um, there was a late signing period and an early signing period and I was going to sign the late signing period in April and then the coach called my dad and was like, if you want your daughter to go somewhere good, don't send her here now. Um, and that was like end of April, so I had no idea where I was going to college um, April 26th of my senior year. Don't do that. Most of you probably <laughs> had an idea. Uh, thankfully, um, you know, the next week I ran a race and some awesome lady um, saw me run and she called five colleges or five universities. Uh, Wisconsin happened to be one of them and um, within a matter of a week I visited Wisconsin and decided to go there. All right. So uh, that was a little bit of my background of how I ended up here. Yeah, nice, nice. I um, like it. But some of my favorite memories, probably my freshman year, uh, we won Big Ten cross country, uh, the championship. That was super awesome. Uh, it was at Michigan, and so that was really special for me because I got to go back home. And Michigan was ranked fifth nationally, and we were ranked eighth nationally, and we got to beat them on their home course, which was. Awesome. Anytime, so you, anytime you beat Michigan, it's a good day. <laughs> it was so great. And I know that uh, Mike McGuire, who is still the coach at Michigan, um, that he lost me to Wisconsin and still like crushes him. <laughs> okay, great. How about as long as you introduced us to it, what kind of challenges did you face as a student athlete? What, 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 what would you say um, made, made college a little bit more difficult being a student athlete, if I can ask that? Um, probably just like time management, you know, like there just wasn't as much free time um, because we practiced and, and we were, it, my practices were very different than what they currently are. So my college coach was the first and only coach at Wisconsin when I got there. So he was there for about 33 years and he was at the end of his career when I was there. Um, we only met three days a week which is pretty shocking. Um, you can meet six days a week, um, or actually no, at Division One. you can meet seven days a week, technically not more than 20 hours. We all know that student athletes, that's not, yeah. Anyway, um, and so, so we only met three days a week and I love that, it was great. I was very self-motivated. I didn't need to meet every single day and I really enjoyed um, 
only meeting Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I feel like I had a lot more free time than other student athletes, but just traveling a lot. We were on a plane every other weekend. Um, and so that, although that was fun, don't get me wrong, um, after 9-11, it was not so much fun. So I experienced 9-11 at Wisconsin. I think that was probably one of the most memorable moment, moments. Um, I remember being at a class and just like people coming in and like just crying. And I don't think I had heard the news yet, but I had a lot of um, classmates who are from the East Coast. And so I remember my professor at the time, Betty Black, and she was, we just talked about it in our class and then she let us out early. Uh, and I remember going to Union South at the time and just like the TVs were on and like students just were like mesmerized by what was happening. Yeah, that 9-11 that discussion is interesting because you asked how many students were born before 2003. And so if you back it up two years, um, I'm guessing anybody who's a senior or older, senior in college or older, um, you may have still no, no recollection, even though you might have been born before 9-11 happened. So yeah, I mean, it, I always liken that to when I was uh, growing up and people would talk about the Kennedy assassination, which happened six years before I was born, and it was a big deal to people, and that's kind of 9-11 for people like us, <laughs> because it was, a, it was a big deal at the time. All right, one of the reasons I, I kind of wanted Bethany to do this, I, I know some of the pressures that you face because some of you talk to me about those kind of things. I know the, the pressure to be successful in classes, uh, getting internships, looking for jobs, all that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm, I'm so, I feel like we're so blessed at Chapel to have Bethany here because if anybody understands some of the pressures of being a student because she was a student athlete and a very high functioning student athlete, it's Bethany. So I'm gonna ask her a question, but I wanna list this off because Bethany would never tell you this, but I'm gonna tell you. These are some of the accolades that Bethany earned as a track and cross country athlete here at Wisconsin. 11 Big Ten championships that she was part of in three seasons, whether it was cross country, indoor track, outdoor track. Uh, All-American honors six times in track, uh, uh, six times in track three times, outdoor track twice, and cross country once. And Bethany just missed out on qualifying for the 2004 Summer Olympics. She advanced to the final group in the 1500 meter run. Okay, maybe none of you would ever guess that about Bethany, uh, but that's some, that's some high accolades for someone who's a student athlete. So my question for you, Bethany, is this. How did you handle the pressure of performing at such a high level and also being a student and trying to have a social life and meet people and all those kind of things? Okay, so a few things. I, well, I'm not a normal Wisconsin student, okay? And when I mean that, I can, and I, the, the, no joke, I can count on one hand how many times I drank in college. Like, I, for some of you that you'll probably like, don't even believe me, but it's very true. Um, I didn't care about drinking. I was not interested in drinking. I wanted to run as fast as I possibly could. Hands down, that was what I was doing here. Uh, yeah, I got a degree, no doubt about that, but I wanted to run fast. And so I took away things that were not gonna invest in my ability to do that. Uh, and I don't, I don't regret not doing that because I went to a few parties. Um, there's usually a big party after every national meet. So we have a cross country one, an indoor and an outdoor national meet, cross country and track parties. And um, I went to the first one of my freshman year 
And I never went back because I was really sad at watching my teammates not know where they were, not know what they were doing. And I was like, I, I, I was sad. And so I was like, I don't want to go back to that. Um, and so I didn't. Um, could there have been things I could have done to be a better teammate in those situations? Certainly. Um, but I just, it, for me, it was, I don't know, I don't know if you use the word trauma, but it was like traumatic to watch my teammates and to know that they were doing that and that was what was happening. And those were the choices they were making. And, and I just didn't want to make those choices. So I chose not to do it. I think the reality is everyone has a choice. You have a choice every single day. You have a choice to choose um, to follow the right path and follow your savior and follow good choices that are good for you and your body and be an example of Christ. And you have a choice to not do that. Um, and yeah, there's pressure. There always would pressure. There'll be pressure later in your life, in your career, and how you raise your kids. There'll be pressure in all those things. So get used to it and get used to being able to stand on the foundation that you have. And that foundation for me was Christ, knowing that my identity was in him. And, you know, don't get me wrong. And I'll be the first to admit this, and this took me a long time to get to, but running at some point became a God of its own for me, okay? Like I spent a lot of my life running. Um, when you get to that elite level, we have these things called drug testing. So you fill out these, all these forms every quarter and people show up at your house and they make you pee in a cup and like you have to like test it and if the pH isn't high enough, then you have to like wait two more hours and like these people are just like in your house just hanging out until you can pee. Um, and so everything I did was revolved around running, right? So like vacations that we planned, when I was eating, when I was sleeping, all those things. So running became a god of its own and I would not recommend anything in your life to do that whether it's your academics, your family, your children, your spouse, your career. Um, but I think that's important for you to know too. So although I wasn't a normal student, I invested so much of my life into running and competing and racing. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that um, you made great choices when it came to taking care of your body and, and doing the right things to be a good runner. But, but then the temptation that the devil put in your path was, how do I not make running more important than anything else in my life? And, and I think, isn't that something we all deal with? Is, is what, what is it that today is, is going to take my attention away from God? What is it today that's going to be something that could become an idol? And how do, how do I fight against that? So thanks, thanks for your honesty about that. Uh, I played sports at a very small Division three school, a pastor training college. We never had any drug testing, just, just for the record. <laughs> okay. Number four, question number four, what life lessons could you share with us that you learned from, if you didn't know, Bethany spent the last 19 years of her life at Edgewood College, just down the road, uh, coaching cross country and track. Uh, so do you have some wisdom that you can share with you, that you shared with your student athletes that you would give to every student that is here at, at, at Madison, whether Edgewood or UW or anything, anywhere else? Fail. <laughs> Embrace failure. Find joy in failure. Do things that you're not good at. Continue to do things you're not good at. Um, and I say that because I want you to continue to learn. 
Um, there's a good quote by um, Nelson Mandela in his book, uh, A Long Walk Home. Um, and he writes something, and something like, you, you never lose. You either win or learn. So unless we embrace failure as a learning opportunity, you will be afraid to do things that are scary. Do things that are scary. Try things that like you wouldn't normally do. Do things, experiences, go study abroad, um, go on um, opportunities that you can do in college. Do those things that you maybe never see yourself doing. College is a great time, you ha you're young, you have energy, you have time. Do those things, fail, fail well, learn from your failure. Failure is okay. I've, I actually feel a lot of empathy um, as I coach the last 19 years. Um, grades have become so important to students. And you know, as many times as I can say until I'm blue in the face, no one cares about your grades after college. No one cares about your grades for the most part in college either. I mean, yeah, you gotta pass and get your degree. If you're going to med school, yeah, those are important. But like, no one, when you go apply for your job, no one's gonna be like, oh, you got a 3-2? No one cares. They don't care, okay? They care more about your experiences, what you're doing, your opportunities, the connections you've made with people. So don't spend so much time stressing about school. Yeah, is school important? I'm not gonna tell you to, don't, to not study or anything. Um, but experiences are so important and learning to fail and pulling yourself back up and being like, what did I learn from that? How would I do that differently? That is so critical. I know, Bethany, that one of the things that you brought to uh, your Edgewood students uh, that you interacted with both as a coach and then just at the school as well was the concept of what we call agape love or the Bible calls agape love and grace. And could, could you just explain how that became a big thing that you, that you brought to the students and how, how that was a great learning experience for both you and, and their team? That's a good question. I can't remember exactly where that uh, came from. So our little team philosophy was agape always. Um, and there, I think just over time, I was a very young coach when I started. I was 26 when I got the head job. And I was still running. I was still competitively running myself. And I was dumbfounded that not everyone wanted to be their best in running. <laughs> Not everyone wanted to put in work necessary to be really great at something. Um, and so it took me a long time to understand that I can love people where they're at, even if they don't want to be great in something. Um, you know, I, I've, my, in my first five years, I had two student athletes lose a parent and I was very young and totally not prepared to how to help students grieve through that situation. And, and then I had students who were super talented and did not work hard and their teammates were really mad. And so there were just some unique experiences that I had to go through um, just to grow as a coach myself. Um, and at the end of the day, it came down to loving this person unconditionally, no matter the outcome. Um, if you're female in college, or in athletics in high school specifically, 
Not that this doesn't apply to men, but most women are pleasers, okay? You know what I'm talking about. And I would tell most of my women all the time, my care and concern for you is not based on your performance. I would tell them every single race that they would go to the line because they were like terrified. They're like, oh, I have to perform well. I have to do well. And I was like, you don't have to. It's fine. Like if, if it's not like you're not going to get fed tonight if you run poorly, you know, like it's not like you, you're not going to have a place to sleep. So don't make it bigger than it really is. And I care for you as a person outside of your performance. Um, and so I, I think just a... Uh, encompasses a little bit of everything, you know? There's a lot of forgiveness that happens in coaching. You get burned a lot as a coach. Um, and I also learned to understand that my value was not based on what 18 to 22 year olds, two year olds said about me. Took me a while to get there, but <laughs> um, 18 to 22 year olds say a lot of things. Yeah. No, and I just love, I love that you were able to bring those Christian principles of love like God loves us, that unconditional love and, and giving grace to people and, and being able to, to live out your faith in that way. I, I'm sure that was special for the athletes that you coached. This is going to be maybe a touch, not controversial, but, but just a little difficult sometimes for people to hear because whether we want to admit it or not, there is a difference when um, there is a woman who gets a head coaching job at a university versus a man who gets a head coaching job at a university. So can you share just some insights about some of the obstacles you faced as a female head coach at a university track and cross country program? Yeah, so I pretty much always had male assistants. Uh, and mainly just because there aren't a lot of female coaches out there, okay? So just FYI, back when Title IX was passed, 80% um, of women's sports were coached by women, and now less than 20% are coached by women. Just a little statistic for you. Um, and so I was coaching men and women, and I couldn't tell you how many times I would go to meet a meet, uh, either with my assistant coaches, and <laughs> we'd be like standing around doing the coaches meeting, and they were like, a address my assistant coaches as though they were the head coach. And I was like, over here, over here. Um, and or my husband, my husband would come with me to meets and he would wear Edgewood gear and like they would start talking to him and he's like, I am not the head coach. I know nothing about running. <laughs> you should talk to my wife. So um, there's, all, there's some of that that happens. Um, I think they're in my own marriage. So this is a great one. PB and I've talked about this. And it might be applicable later in life here for some of you females and or men who are married to females. Um, being a coach who has full responsibility and oversees a whole team and staff and students and then coming home and being a wife, it, those are two different worlds, okay? Um, there are some definite conversations between my husband and me, and he was like, I am not your assistant coach. Don't talk to me like that. I was like, okay, fair enough, you're right. Um, and so those roles are just, one, I didn't even know who to go to to talk to about that. Like who, I, I don't even know who to go to. I don't know a lot of people that are in direct, you know, roles like that as females. And then to go home and like a role reversal it really was. And, and not that my husband was ever like, you know, demanding or anything, but I understood what he meant by like, 
just like some respect and submission. Um, and those, those words are always like maybe taken out of context sometimes. And I don't mean it in a negative way. I just mean like they are very different roles. And I think that's, those are things that we should maybe talk about more. Yeah, and, and, and it is difficult. I mean, if you, if you look at the Bible and what the roles of, of husband and wife are in marriage, the roles really ultimately mean that each partner in the marriage is putting the other person first. And I can understand how you being a coach and being in charge of everything then was hard to not bring that coaching home and, and, and you know, kind of do that in your marriage as well. So I, I appreciate those comments as well. I'd like one more question I'd like to ask you, and then we'll have just a couple minutes for if, pe if people have follow-up thoughts or things they'd like to ask you. I know one of the things that you made time for in the midst of your busy life as a college student was being here at chapel. I know that you've continued to be a part of chapel, even as you coached at Edgewood after you got your, uh, your counseling degree. Uh, you did some, uh, quite a bit of counseling for us at chapel, and, and then you can talk a little bit about how that led you to apply for the outreach coordinator job too. But just how has chapel influenced your life? Let's just put it that generally and let you answer. This is going to be a little bit long, but I think it's worth the investment. So we'll, we'll start. I did not grow up in the Wells Church, okay? Um, I did grow up Lutheran. Um, I have probably been in every denomination of Lutheranism, even to the right of the Wells. If you need to talk about that, let me talk about it later <laughs> with you. Um, and so, you know, when I came to college, I went to Calvary a little bit down the street. Um, I went to Mount Olive, which was an LCMS um, church. And I ended up at chapel, um, but I also went to a lot of other churches, okay? And I think it's really important in college to learn to own your faith. So I was a part of crew. I went to Athletes in Action. I did all these other Christian groups on campus. And I think that it really helped me understand why I believed what I believed. Um, there are so many other great organizations. There's the whole Christian church on earth, okay? So understand that. Um, and I know that here at chapel we do understand that. Um, but there are so many other um, organizations that can be helpful and, and are good. Um, but when you start to really dig down into like doctrine and choice theology and all these other things, um, just understanding Sin separates from God, us from God. We can do nothing. Okay, I can't, I can't say something and automatically I'm saved. Um, when you get to some of those nitty-gritty things, that was really what drew me back to chapel. I had to just understand that I have free will day in and day out to make choices to be obedient to my Savior, but I don't get to choose my Savior, okay? Um, my Savior chose me right? He knows me. He chose me. Um, and so I think all those experiences I had in different organizations were great. Um, I, there was a moment in my life where I all of a sudden had like five different Mormon friends and I was like, this is weird. So like, I, I was like digging up stuff about Mormonism because I didn't know much about it. Um, and I remember, um, talking to, a guy that I liked who was Mormon, and we went out, and um, point blank, he asked me, he's like, so 
do you think like I'm not going to heaven? I was like, yes, I don't think you're going to heaven. And here's why. <laughs> it's, so I was very blunt with that person. Um, but I also think that he was surprised to see a Christian who knew the Bible and like read the Bible and were able to quote scripture. I mean, if you talk to Mormons, they, they know a lot of scripture and they know a lot of Bible. Um, if you talk to them in depth though, um, you can weed out some of the um, untruths, I would say. So chapel played a role just because it was here and understanding just, it just really was a, a good foundation, you know, and I knew I could come here. This is where I met my husband. Um, we actually met the week before 9-11 happened, and then we clearly spent 9-11 the whole week basically at chapel because that's what you do in a mass tragedy. Tragedy happens like that. Um, and then when Emmanuel and I left and went to St. Andrew, um, I was still working at Edgewood, and we, there were quite a few years here. We were, we were bringing like 10 or 10 students or so from Edgewood here to chapel, and just having an opportunity to um, serve um, that college and being available to students. Um, as PB said, I did get a master's, um, and I have a, I'm a technically a licensed therapist. Um, and part of that is because I just, students just go through so many different things and I wanted to be better able to serve them. And how we got here, how am I here? Um, I think I just came to a point where there was not much more for me to do at Edgewood. Um, you know, the resources I had when I started and when I left are about the same. And, you know, I, want, I wanted to be as good as I could and I think that's probably as good as we were gonna be in a long time and that there was time for someone else to like pick up the reins and, and, and make a new path forward. Um, so it was a pretty unique time. Uh, if you ask PB, probably, well, we talked about this at retreat. Uh, literally a year ago, we both would have laughed that I was gonna apply for this job. And here I am. So it's amazing how God works. It is, yeah. It was, uh, well, Bethany had conversations with me about thinking about a, a different job, a, a new opportunity in coaching, maybe something else, maybe po possibly uh, being a full-time counselor, a uh, full-time therapist. And uh, then she asked a question. So this would have been about last February or March when Rachel was, uh, if some of you remember Rachel, our last outreach coordinator, she was getting ready to get married and we were interviewing for the position and Bethany said, well, I would love, I would love to be on the hiring team. Uh, because I have a deep love for chapel and I can maybe help out to sort of see who the right person might be, the right fit. And I said, that would be great. And then one of the applicants was someone who had met with Bethany and I thought, well, maybe that's not the healthiest to have Bethany making a decision who to hire uh, if there's any kind of thought that, well, that person had, a, had, a, had an in before it started. And then uh, after we had done the first couple interviews, I got a phone call. It was after a Monday triple dollar dinner and I'm driving home and I get a phone call from Bethany and she said, I just talked to Emmanuel and he said that he thinks I should apply for the outreach coordinator job. And so she did, and here she is, and we're certainly blessed to, to have Bethany. Uh, I think you can tell just from her answers to the things that, that she was able to, to give you tonight, the care that she has for each of you, 
the care that she, and love she has for this ministry, but, but above all, the care and love that she has for uh, her Savior. Uh, and that comes through in, in what she does every single day. I know we're just about out of time, but I want to open it up just in case there's a couple questions that people would like everybody to hear. Otherwise, you know where Bethany's office is. It's downstairs on the first floor. She's happy to talk to you. I'm sure over whatever our snack is tonight, uh, she'll be able to, to chat with you too if you have other questions. But is there anything somebody would like to ask for everyone to hear before we wrap it up tonight? should take my glasses off so I can see something. All right, well, feel free to, to chat with Bethany uh, at your leisure. Um, she is a, a huge blessing to Chapel, and she wants to be a blessing to you in any way that she can be. Bethany, thank you very much for your honest an answers tonight. Uh, would you join me in praising God for Bethany tonight?